Hey besties, it's your girl Amanda back with another episode of Sunshine and Rainbows podcast. This episode is actually a continuation of a previous episode. It's the one that rustled all the feathers. If you don't know what I'm talking about, head back to episode two, the most listened episode to date of this podcast, and you'll probably realize what I'm talking about. Like I said, this is a continuation. Our guest today, Dr. Kim, is a doctor of veterinary medicine, and she reached out to me on Instagram and was like, hey, Amanda, I loved your background on the animal field, but girl, let's talk about the veterinary field. This conversation was so easy and candid and open and honest and really gave me a new outlook and insight to all of the incredible vets that I had experienced working with while I was in the animal field. Besties, if you're an animal trainer or even if you're not, this is an awesome conversation all about compassion fatigue and it's a must listen. Super quickly, this is a guest episode, which means that there is an accompanying YouTube video. So head over to our channel to check that out. All right, enough of an intro. Let's get into it. Oh my God, I'm so excited to officially meet you. Dr. Kim, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the podcast and being such a supporter. I really appreciate you. Thanks. I've really enjoyed listening and uh, it hits close to home. Everything, you know, just between the animal training world and my aspect of the veterinary field and just the animal world itself, um, it hits close to home. So I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So for everyone listening, this is Dr. Kim. She is a doctor of veterinary medicine and she listened to my episode about toxicity in the workplace especially kind of pertaining to my personal experience when it comes to working in the animal training field. Well, she reached out to me and was like, Hey Amanda, it's not just the animal training field. There's a whole other side to it. And she thought she would give a little bit of her perspective and we're going to branch into a whole new conversation that kind of goes hand in hand with that today. So I am going to turn it over to you. Give me a little background about you, what got you to where you are. Take it away. Take us on a journey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it started that way. No. Um, So I, I do, I work and live in Florida now. Um, So, you know, we have that Florida connection. However, um, I went to school in Ohio at the Ohio State University. (laughs) Go Buckeyes. Um, (laughs) So I went there for undergrad and vet school and, um, I ended up down in Florida to work with horses and do breeding stuff with horses. And that was my, the name of my game for five years. And then I did, you know, have to transition Um, part of it because we, my husband and I moved and, you know, a bunch of that, but also just because I was getting burnt out and, you know, just <sighs> what all of us go through. I think a couple times, yeah, I hate to say a couple times, numerous times in our career. And um, so I switched over to small animal, partly because where we moved, I just was not finding another equine job. 
even though I was moving to Baltimore, Maryland, which, you know, is horse country. I mean, the Preakness was just run a couple of days ago. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, it was being where we lived and everything, it just didn't happen. So I switched over to small animal, surprisingly actually really liked it. Um, and in, in, in the veterinary field, like you can, you don't have to specialize like in terms of when you go to school, you don't have to say, I'm going to work with this. Like our degree lets us work with everything. And yes, you do train to specialize sometimes, but you don't have to declare it. And then you're stuck with it, which is kind of nice. Oh, um, that's awesome. That just gives you the yeah. like freedom and flexibility to evolve, which is and, awesome. And that's probably what's kept me with like career longevity, to be completely honest. Um, so I worked in a clinic there and um, you know, kind of gained my feet in the small animal world and definitely had a better quality of life because I wasn't on call all the time. And, um, but you know, I had my daughter then and things shifted. I was always the person that was saying, I work too hard for this degree. I'm not going to change anything. I want my daughter to see that I worked hard for this. You can have both things. Mm-hmm. Well, you can, <laughs> but there's sometimes a price. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do have to, you know, you just, you can't do everything all the time. Yeah. And I learned that the hard way. So um, I did end up leaving uh, my position there. And I, and that was one where, you know, the work environment, I, I looked away from it a lot. And then the writing was on the wall before I left for my maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And then when I came back, it was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. This is how it was. And it seemed like this big shock and everything, but really my priorities had shifted. And also I think just a new set of eyes, you know, it was like, Oh, this isn't what we're going to do anymore. Okay. And, so, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then, you know, like that got the ball rolling of us. We moved back to Florida, you know, mm-hmm. we're just like, okay, we want to be back here. And I feel like my career has taken so many twists and turns, but um, I started working relief. So meaning that I was like the substitute teacher of the veterinary world. Okay. So I worked in different clinics. It gave me so much flexibility with my schedule, with having, you know, a young daughter Probably then, some awesome variety too. Yes, which was nice. Um, but, you know, it also let me see a lot of what I did and didn't want mm. in a workplace. There were some places that were amazing. You know, I would, anytime they asked if I wanted to work or could fill in, I was like, yes, absolutely. There was somewhere I was like, oh, shoot, I committed to five days of this. Oh man, after day one. And so that's, you know, that, that toxic work environment, we can already see like, as an, almost like an outsider walking in that you're going, Oh dear Lord, what did I get myself into? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I ended up last year, of course, you know, during the pandemic, um, I was covering a maternity leave and this clinic was amazing. And I, ended up doing a second maternity leave, you know, like on the tail end of, you know, like it, another pandemic, you know, maternity leave. Yeah. And, and then finally in January, I signed on with them, you know, <gasps> so it's, it's, so I'm part-time. I've through all of these like trials and tribulations. And so I found what works for us, what works for my family. And thankfully I've had that luxury. Um, there are definitely, 
colleagues and classmates and everything that don't have that luxury. Mm -hmm. They're tied down to student loans or, you know, just so location dependent or they're the sole spouse or, you know, the primary breadwinner of the family, you know, I'm not the primary breadwinner of the family. I'm not, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I don't have any student debt. So and that that's huge. That's huge. World. That's amazing. You know, so I'm like, thanks, mom and dad. Yeah, <laughs> for real. Um, big thank you. And that's one of those things that like when you're in school, you're like, okay, whatever. But then you're like, oh man, that that was huge. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so that has given me the flexibility. But I can tell you what, it's not. I don't even want to say it's like a success story because it's it's not. It's just that I've had to cope, I've had to adapt. And got into a place where things work. And it's yeah. been weird because, I mean, I still, you know, part of me coping and adapting is having a side business that involves Disney. I mean, come on. You know, this is <laughs> but like, it's amazing. This is like, I love it, that. It is, I love it. But, you know, it's one of those things. Who would have, if you would have told me that, like when I graduated, you know, from vet school, I'd be like, what kind of, what are you smoking? You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's, that's where we're at. And, yeah. you know, but it's taken, oh God, it's taken like, it's taken burnout. It's taken realizing compassion fatigue and what that is and what that entails to get to that point. And then, you know, finally getting into a spot mentally and, you know, just with support system to realizing like what works, what symptom, you know, what are my triggers? You know, yeah. what, if, if I sign up for X, Y, and Z, I know I have to take like five days after, you know, stuff like that. Like where you're like, okay, this is going to be a tough week. So let's not plan anything for the weekend, you know? So it's just taking a lot of time to get to that point. Yeah. Well, that actually brings us perfectly to our topic today. Uh, thank you so <laughs> much for sharing about your journey and just really just humanizing you. And I, I love that because you shared not only that you have this incredible degree and you're incredibly smart and successful in achieving that because so many people start out as a little kid and say they want to do that, but few people actually do it and you did it. And that's amazing. But just giving that perspective that you still achieved that, but it's still hard and you're still working every single day to get through some of the things that you experience that are on like the not so cool side of your field. Um, So for anyone who doesn't know, compassion fatigue is defined as a condition where an individual gradually becomes less compassionate towards a certain medical or social circumstance. This is usually caused by repeated exposure to suffering or pain over a period of time, which is common amongst care workers and other health professionals. So you talked about some of your triggers and some symptoms of compassion fatigue. And I actually looked it up on the internet and it says that some symptoms can include a decreased ability or inability to experience pleasure. That sucks. Um, (laughs) Anxiety, sleeplessness, hopelessness, and pessimism. Professionally, this can manifest as reduced productivity, reduced self-confidence and self-awareness and a decrease in quality standards which is huge when you're thinking about if this is affecting a lot of healthcare and medical workers, like reducing quality standards. That's like, ah, <laughs> yeah, it definitely can be huge. And I mean, I know for I mean, the obvious, the obvious elephant in the room, you know, for the compassion fatigue, you know, is 
euthanasia. Yeah. And it's something that we have to do. And I always have clients say like, oh, I wanted to be a veterinarian, but I couldn't do that. I, I you know, it's just like, you know, and I, I hate to say, I have my canned answer of like, well, I have to look at this as this is something we can give them. And this is something we can do. And it's true. I mean, like we can go down a whole nother mm -hmm. path with that, but, um, but really, you know, sometimes that's not even the most draining thing, you know, seeing an animal come in that you, you can tell that someone just hasn't cared mm. that, you know, or having to explain to someone, you know, break the bad news yeah. or, you know, seeing like the young five-year-old animal that, you know, it's, it's not easier when they're old, but you know, your brain can rationalize it better. Right. But, you know, you see the, the four-year-old happy Labrador retriever, you know, like looking at you and you're just like having to be like, you have cancer, uh, you know, that, that sucks. That pulls at your heartstrings. It, I mean, those are the days when you go home and, you know, there's um, a pint of ice cream and, you know, sometimes a glass of wine and a yep. whole bunch of office reruns because my brain cannot process anything yeah. else. So that's yeah, what I've been reading is that people whose professions lead to this prolonged exposure of either other people's trauma or in, in your case, animals trauma, you can be vulnerable to what's called vicarious trauma. So you experience the acute symptoms that put their physical and mental health at risk. You experience, so it's that empathy of already being mm -hmm. in that caregiving role. And so you can have like secondhand PTSD from the trauma that you're witnessing over and over. And you can, and you know, I mean, there's, there's days where, you know, you have that case that comes in and you're just like, I couldn't help it. I mm. couldn't, I couldn't do anything for it. You know, whether they're crashing and burning in front of you or, or sometimes it's just that constant, like poking and nagging, like the, the low grade, you know, but still always present. Mm -hmm. And it definitely, you know, and then, you know, pairing with it, I'm an introvert. I don't thrive on being, I mean, I can socially function obviously, right. um, but I don't gain energy off of being around people all day. And I think a lot of animal care professionals are like that. You know, we didn't get into the field because, I mean, yes, we want to care for animals, but we, you know, I, I could have been a human doctor probably. I don't know. You yeah. Know? But I, I don't, I don't like sick people, but you know, a lot of us forget that with every animal is a human attached to it, mm -hmm. an owner. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by the time I drain my cup, you know, from talking to people all day and then add on to it, you know, compassion fatigue. I know a lot of people call it empathy fatigue. I mean, whatever you want to call yeah. it, um, you get a little empty shell of a person some days. And, you know, I hate to say some days I come home and, you know, like my daughter wants to be like, ah, you know, like mommy's home, you know, you want to play and everything. And, oh, those are some tough parenting days. And, you know, or even before I had a, a kid, that's some tough, you know, just relationship days. I mean, my husband realized pretty soon that some days, you know, like he, he kind of could know when it was just like, just need, I just need some time. I just yeah. need a little bit of time to, you know, decompress. And Kevin's and thing it, was, he was always like, I didn't know what version of Amanda I was going to get walking through the door. And he's like, you would call me on your way home. But I knew that in that 15 minute window, your mood could change. 
for the better, for the worse. So even though you were one way on the phone, after you were processing alone in the car on the way home, you could be a whole different person walking through the door. And I didn't know if I needed to do like recon or like duck and cover or hope you. <laughs> He's like, I just kind of tiptoed around you until I realized like, okay, what is our night gonna look like? Yeah. And that broke, it broke my heart, honestly, here. Oh, that. absolutely. And you know, and there's some days like after bedtime, you know, like for my daughter, I'll just be like, oh my gosh, I, oh, I messed that one up, you know, yeah. and there, there's, there's days like that. Um, and fortunately, you know, it's, it's days, you know, versus like all the time, yeah. you know, and, and I, and I do know, you know, like I, right now my schedule, like I work two days, like I work Thursdays and Fridays and like every few Saturdays. Um, and in that time period, yeah, like I am drained, but you know, my, you know, weekend is usually family time. And then, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, it's never a day off, but yeah. it's, you know, like Mondays, I like to do things where I have no people involved, you know, so yes. if it's household chores, if it's, you know, like stuff like, like my brain needs that, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> so and that's, you know, kind of like my, my coping, my way to fill up my cup, you know, and stuff like that. But like, I didn't always do that. I, mm -hmm. you know, I was sometimes just go, go, go. and didn't see that in myself that I needed that time. And, you know, that's when I would get burnt out. That's when, you know, and, and you're talking about when your production goes down, not even production, but your quality of work goes down. And it's not that I, you know, I mean, we all make mistakes. Mm -hmm. It happens, but, you know, luckily we have a system in place, you know, in most clinics where it's like someone's double checking, you know, like right. your prescription and, you know, stuff like that. Like there's multiple eyes looking at that, but, you know, sometimes there are, you know, those mistakes, like my, my assistant will be like, did you mean to only prescribe them one pill? No. no. You know? <laughs> you know? And that's, you know, usually when you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the day. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and yep. you know, it's not, it's not been all, you know, happy puppy and kitten visits. And you know, like, that's what everyone's like, oh, you get to play with puppies and kittens all day. It's like, uh, those are few and far between. Mm -hmm. And you best believe that whenever a puppy enters the building, we're all like, yeah, <laughs> and we, you know, we try to take it in back, you know, for socialization, um, mm. quote, you know, but it's usually everyone let everyone get some snuggles. Cause you know, yes. we got, we got to fill up the cup. We got to, you know, just keep, and that's something that I preach, you know, with everyone's like, okay, fill up your cup. You got to, you can't pour from an empty cup. No. And when you try, that's when things crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So. And I think that's such a testament to, like you said, identifying your triggers, setting your limits, just being mindful of your own needs. Because mm -hmm. I relate it to when you're on an airplane and they say, put on your oxygen mask before helping the person next to you. It's that same thing. You have to take care of you before you can even begin to expect to take care of anyone else in your life whether it's people oh. at your job, your friends, your spouse, your family, you, you got to take care of you first. Yeah. Yeah. And that has taken a while, even as a parent for me to realize like you've, you know, I used to feel guilty and sometimes I do still feel guilty. You know, like last week I was running to Orlando to do errands and I ended up at magic kingdom for three hours Oops. Oops. I mean, <laughs> Floridian <laughs> problems, <laughs> but I needed that, yeah. you know, and, and that, 
that's where weird, you know, just like where life has taken weird turns and, you know, and everything like that. But, you know, that's been one of my releases and my, you know, reprieve is just, you know, having that, that happy place or, you know, having the other work and the other things that not that they don't have their own stresses inherently, but it's different. You know, honestly, nobody's when, when I'm helping someone plan their Disney vacation, you know, like as my, my side job, yeah, there's not life and death involved in it. It's, you know, Oh shoot, we didn't get that dining reservation. Okay. We're going to keep trying, you know, but right. (laughs) And I mean, I still take it very seriously, but it's a whole different magnitude, you know, compared to Mm -hmm. the day job. (laughs) And that's what I think too is hard. What I'm finding with talking to people, especially in the animal realm, as we just associate our job with our purpose, with our identity, it's all just jumbled into one where, like you said, with your side business, you're like, oh, I can disassociate that and be like, oh, didn't get that dining reservation. I'm not going to sit at home and think about it and lie awake at night, you know, but there's a difference. And it's something about working with animals and potentially other people in healthcare professions too. You know, you, you just emulate that. You do. And it's, it's a lot harder to shut that off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the veterinary field, we call it vet brain. Like I, okay. some nights I cannot shut the vet brain off. You know, like when I used to do surgeries, they caused massive anxiety for me. Mm-hmm. I was a fine surgeon. I did fine. You know, by no means was I doing advanced orthopedic surgery or anything of that sort. Um, but, you know, a, a simple spay and neuter would have me lay awake at night. Like, are they going to be okay? Are they going mm. to, you know, like just stuff like that where, yeah. and that's, that's not every person that was just me, you know? <laughs> and that was my brain. Cause it was something that I don't know. It's, I mean, as a, as a already anxious person, it's just like, Oh, and, and so when I just decided I wasn't going to do surgery anymore and it, it, you know, when I went into doing relief, it was, I just didn't provide that service. And the clinic I'm at now, they're like, no, we need people in exam rooms. Great. You know, I don't, I don't want to do surgery anymore. And, you know, they were always like, do yeah. you want to? Nope. Nope. You know, it was too much of a source of anxiety. I mean, did I ever have a patient with a surgical complication? Nope. <laughs> but my brain didn't know that. Yep. I was laying awake at 2 a.m. wondering whether or not, you know, my patient's okay. And I mean, I still get that, you know, for like a, a really sick patient that I had come in or, you know, I still wonder until, you know, like the next morning when I give them a call and, you know, it, it is still hard some nights to turn off the brain, but it, it's, a you know, you just cater it and carve it and, you know, make, make things what works for you. Um, mm-hmm. And like I said, fortunately I've had that luxury. Some people don't, um, you know, And we've definitely, as a profession, had to, I don't know, the veterinary field used to be all men. And I'd say like like mid or late 80s, early 90s, it was like half and half, you know, and then now it's it's mostly women. But, you know, we we joke around that there's a boys club sometimes (laughs) and because the older generation that is in a lot of the leadership positions or, you know, owning a lot of the clinics are men. Yeah. And, 
and that's, I don't want to say it's wrong. It's not, it's just, that's just how the profession has shifted. And, but keeping in mind also that, you know, a lot of these men had wives at home that took care of the kids and it didn't matter how late they were working. And, you know, so then they have a hard time wondering like, why do you want to, you know, be off for this X, Y, and Z? And, you know, I, <laughs> I know. And luckily I am, I have been fortunate enough not to be in a position where that has come into play, mm -hmm. but I have plenty of colleagues where that's, you know, not the case. And, you know, my, even some of my colleagues here, they're like, well, yeah, you know, I don't have to worry about what time I get home because you know, I have someone that is at home, you know, for me, I'm just looking at the clock sometimes where, okay, I have to leave by this time, you know, especially if my husband's away, you know, he travels for work sometimes. And I have to be like, okay, guys, I have to be out of the door at five. Right. And in a hospital setting, that sometimes means impossible. That, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, I hate to say I have, you know, gone and picked up my kid from school and, and brought her back yeah. because I have to, you know, finish X, Y, and Z, you know, and, and like, like I said, luckily I'm in a position where there is that flexibility. There is that, you know, responsiveness to it. Um, but it's not always, you know, it's not that way for everyone. And mm -hmm. so, you know, people are like, Oh, why, why, why is this change? And you still sometimes will have the good old boy. That's like, I work till midnight every night. You know, when I was starting out, why can't I do, why can't you do this? Like, cause I quite frankly, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what it comes down to is again, like setting those limits of when you're able to function as the perfect version of you and everyone has those different limits and it looks different for everyone, but being mindful enough about yourself and what you personally need and then having the coworkers and the infrastructure to respect that, you know, it's, yes. all, it's all the same. It all goes it, hand in hand. It all goes hand in hand. And, you know, having the, you know, the toxic work environment where it's no, you, why, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? You should be able to do this. And, you know, it, you get yourself out of there. <laughs> I mean, some people can function that way. I, I couldn't, mm -hmm. I couldn't, you know, I, Neither girl. Yeah. Neither girl. Neither girl. I get you. Like, and I it was it was hard because for me, I really had to grapple with this is something I've wanted to do my entire life. And I love everything about what I'm doing, but I don't love the person I'm becoming. And it was really hard to start separating Manda from the toxicity. And I knew that I I, I had to walk away. And that was a very hard decision that I had to make. But Looking back I, again, it's been five months. I would have told myself to do it sooner. Now, knowing the person that I've become just in five months, you know, and while it's sad and I, I miss those animals, I wouldn't change any experience up until mm -hmm. now. So, you know, no. And that's, I mean, I, I was thinking about this the other day when my, no, my husband and I have been married for 10 years. So when we did marriage counseling, you know, with, with pastor, I remember now like him saying to my husband, she's stressed. It was, it was all based on like a questionnaire we had to take individually. Uh. And then, you know, like she ranks high on stress. That's something we're going to have to manage. And then like, well, what was that? That was probably 
nine months later, I was leaving my first position. Wow. And I was just like, and you know, there were other factors to it, but you know, even, even my husband said that, you know, the night, of course you like, you're anxious when you're going to turn in your resignation and you know, all of that. And he said like, the night after I did, or even the night after I made the decision mm. that I was going to leave, I slept sound. Wow. Like that was enough, you know, of, of what was causing so much stress. Mm. And, you know, in a lot of professions, there's so many people in it that it's not a small world. Like in the animal world, it's a small world. Like, I stuck, I put in my resignation at noon, drove, so I live on the east coast of Florida, drove to Bradenton, so on the west coast. On the west coast, yep. Continuing education. So three hours, I sat down, you know, to sit down for the lecture for my, my continuing ed. And the doctor that was running it sits down, is like, so I hear you just left your position today. Mm. I mean, <laughs> mm. I'm like, what? You Yikes. Know, here I was having like the most freeing three hours of my, you know, like my like recent career and everything. And, and like I said, it's not even that where I was working was a terrible environment. Right. It was just, we were thinking about moving. We were, you know, it was, I was burnt out, you know? <laughs> Yeah. And you and, just needed a break and, yeah. and, and, and then people should understand like, that. I was like, what? <laughs> mm. and, you know, I, I, of course, you know, had my, my PC, you know, answer and, you know, in, in hindsight, you know, 10 years later, Kim is like, now nah, you probably should have been a little bit more honest about <laughs> things, but you know, but you know, I still <laughs> like I said, small world. And, and not, like I said, I would never, I would never tell someone not to go work for, for that clinic. Yeah, exactly. They do an amazing job. They do amazing, you know, work. It just wasn't working for me mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it gets easier to set boundaries, you know, as you get along with yeah. like that first job and even that second job, like second job, I was transitioning from, you know, one aspect of the field to another. And I felt like, oh, I could never find something else. This is the first place that would take me that would like mentor me. Mm. Nah, I mean, nah, it wasn't that big of a deal. you know. <laughs> so with that, all of that being said, and all of the incredible things you have shared, what is your advice to say there's a compassion fatigued veterinarian or vet tech listening to this right now, someone who wants to grow up to be a mover and shaker in this field, what is some advice or tips that you can give them that at least have personally worked for you? Because as we say with, you know, this podcast, life is not all sunshine and rainbows. And on our social media, it definitely looks that way. But (laughs) we're here to start conversations about things that you know, maybe give you some goosebumps or make your palms a little sweaty. And that's definitely something that we've been talking about today. So what, what's your advice for anyone? Set boundaries and be Mm -hmm. firm in them. I mean, now that's, I know what I can do. I know what works for our family. Like say, I mean, I'm part-time right now. I can work full-time for like a month or so. 
but then after that we have to you know that just knowing how you function best but then above all else don't hesitate to put yourself first don't hesitate to put your family first because you're the only one that's going to do that mm-hmm. you're the only one that's going to have your back um now that doesn't mean don't be a team player don't be you know right right and all of that but because there's definitely some people that are not that you know in this world but you you have to watch out for yourself you and and that even sounds wrong. <laughs> but you have to you know be be your own advocate you know mm-hmm. be your own cheerleader and you know make sure that you are doing what is going to keep yourself sane keep yourself just in a good good mindset you know so if that means knowing that you have to have x amount of time off in between you know x amount of days um if it's you know, Hey, you're pulling a shift for someone else. Okay. You need to, you know, I need someone to help me out too. Yeah. Um, and even just knowing your things to refill your cup, you know, for me, it's, you know, Disney spending time with my family, you know, which goes hand in hand, you know, just having that time to be alone. Um, you know, my little, my little tiny plant babies that are all, you know, growing and everything, (laughs) but it's, you have to make that system and that support system. And if you want longevity, you know, you gotta make your little, your little bubble where Mm -hmm. you can make yourself, you know, comfortable and just be there. So. Mm, I love that. Thank you so much, Dr. Kim, for sharing. And it's so great officially meeting you. have big, been a big fan of yours for a while. You're always so sweet and just a bundle of joy every time you find yourself in my inbox. And I love it. So <laughs> I appreciate you. Um, I do want to give you a chance just to share where people can find you if they want to, you know, share with you that you impacted them or maybe start the conversation a little bit further. So if you'd like to share any of your social channels or your side biz that you have to. <laughs> I'll give you the space to do that. Um, so I guess I never really said like side biz. Um, I do do, you know, like vacation planning, Disney planning. So that's kind of been our release, you know, and, and the, um, something other than the vet world. Um, but on Instagram, that's mainly where I'm at. Um, it, I'm at happiest.hags, H A I G S dot on dot earth. So Yes. And I will link all of that in the episode notes too. So that way people can go down to the bottom and click directly to that. Awesome. Yay. Well, thank you so much again. This was a pleasure. And I think a conversation that I enjoyed having and just learning more about your side of the field and just getting that extra perspective on things that we've kind of already talked about. So thanks. It was great. I love it. (laughs) Yay. Wow, I feel like I say this every episode, but what a conversation. Thank you so much again to Dr. Kim for sharing her heart, her story, and her passion for a subject that hits so close to home for so many. Personally, this conversation gave me a whole new perspective on what I thought I knew about the animal field. That's what I love about this community that we've built together. We can share our real and raw experiences to learn from them 
not to dock down on anyone, not to criticize anyone or any facility, but to come together to make a better field, a better future, and overall better us. Because at the end of the day, as Dr. Kim and I talked about, it's your coworkers, your family, and the animals that really feel the full effect of when you are not the best version of you. All right, besties, that's all we've got for today. I'll see you next week.